this thing. No title again. Is it rolling, Bob? podcast i think it is 963 and this is a podcast that has had many false starts several recordings that either didn't get recorded or got lost or uh, i decided against it it's been a very strange time but uh, today is fine i'm sitting right at water water's edge here in uh, presquille provincial park Chris and uh, Gordon have just left to get firewood. We ran out last night, and um, and I've recommended that they uh, they go out while they've got the car, go and see the lighthouse and uh, the little museum there. So if you're uh, visiting Presqu'ile Provincial Park, that's on the list of things to do. And I'm staying back. I'm sitting in my walker right now, right at right at Water's Edge, or close to it. Perfect spot. Feeling the sun beat down on my face as uh, it's cloudy. There are clouds in the sky, but the sun is just breaking through, uh, reflecting off the water quite nicely. And um, feeling the heat, which is beautiful. And uh, everything is okay, considering I did not get to bed till uh, 3.30 this morning. And by 8.30, I was wide awake. Knew I had to make coffee for the boys. I'm in the road trek. Uh, Chris is in one tent. This would be Chris Wyness from Melbourne, Australia. He's in one tent by himself, which I uh, equipped him for. My tent, my old tent, too. And um, Gordon is in a tent of his own with his great Dane dog. He could not find a sitter for the dog, so the dog is with us camping. And... uh, Frankly, I'm glad of it. A lovely, lovely dog. Female, great dean called Lucy. And I've just taken some wonderful pictures of Lucy at Water's Edge. Just absolutely gorgeous. Uh, All black. Very, very calm. Very different species, type of dog. Very calm. We had a little game last night while we were sitting around the fire. Lucy would be, you know, whimpering. And I'd signal her and turn back and eventually she'd sidle on up to me and I could scratch her head and rub her head and give her a good pat on the back and uh, rest my arm and then she was happy and we were calm. Because when I first met Lucy, she just ignored me completely. Like just, hey, what kind of dog is this? You know, usually you're, you're running up and smelling the humans, you know, nose right in the crotch. And uh, Lucy didn't do any of that. She, she wanted to just take out, where am I? Why am I here? What's going on? What do I smell? Are there other dogs around? You know, everything except uh, the humans. And it took until the evening that we became friends, and uh, now we're we're good buddies. And uh, I'm quite fond of the dog and quite enjoying having her company. Although she did dig a hole last night, and we were a little worried. I mean, Gord, I guess. Maybe not a fully experienced camper, I don't know, but uh, left the dog food. No, I shouldn't tattletale on Gord. That's not very nice. But uh, we had to say, hey, when you're camping, you don't leave food, especially dog food. I would have thought raccoons would have loved that. Or whatever comes around. 
possums. But uh, anyway, all is good. I've taken over. I'm just nobody's getting into the road trek except Chris can get to the fridge to get his beer. But I've done the uh, cooking. I've made the coffee. I swept. I uh, made up a good breakfast this morning for the boys and myself. Uh, scrambled eggs, a lot of cheese in there, some brie cheese and uh, some cheddar, and uh, a side of um, chili from the chili I made a few nights ago for Nalco, who didn't want any. And so the chili game camping. I served Chris, actually Chris and myself, up a plate probably about 1 o'clock this morning. After the fire died down and Chris was feeling a little peckish, hey, what about supper? Prior to that, Naoko had uh, made two uh, veggie domburis for uh, Chris and myself, so I brought those along and then realized that uh, Gordon didn't have any, so took the two bowls, made them into three, and we all had a nice little bowl of domburi to get started, and that counted as supper for Gord, but no, Chris was a little hungry, and then by uh, probably around two, he decided he wanted his uh, O. Henry bar, and uh, then I noticed when I went to reach for my bottle of wine, that my bottle of wine was empty. And Chris still had a considerable amount. So I'm, I'm just not telling tales here about Gordon and Christopher, but I'm just telling you what it's like, you know. My wine is gone. So uh, I, you know, Bruce gave me permission to take Chris's bottle, what's left of his. Uh, but a fine time. I, I hope you can tell by the the way I'm narrating this story that uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a happy camper. God, the, the 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 clouds, the sun is really broken through, or sorry, the clouds have drifted on, and uh, we got an opening, and we got hot sun coming down, which feels good. I invented a little game yesterday by the waterfront while uh, while the boys were back at the camp. I came down on my own, and sat near the water's edge, and a little an opening, and um, jokingly, I, I called it the sense game. It's called sense. And what it is, and I'm about to tell you now, so pay attention, get your notebooks handy, is you try and stop thinking and close your eyes and just sense, just feel. What do you feel? And you sort of keep asking yourself that. And so right away, okay, what what am I sensing right now? And the first thing you might be is you might, well, I'm hearing the waves. I'm hearing the waves. So what I'm sensing is I'm using my ears and I'm hearing. I'm hearing the sound of the waves. And then you'll get another feeling. Oh, oh, oh. And I feel a breeze. I feel a, a breeze on my cheeks. It's the wind. The wind is blowing. And, and the wind is making the sound of the waves. And now I'm hearing the waves and I'm hearing the wind. I've got, I've got two sounds going on there. But I'm still feeling the the wind on my cheeks. But now I'm feeling the heat of the sun. The sun is coming down. My, my cheeks feel warmed by the sun. I'm feeling warmth. And you just keep on going quietly with your eyes closed, and just keep asking yourself, "What do I feel? What what what, what feel? Be, what feeling becomes dominant? Is it a is it a smell? Is it a sound? Is it a a, a, a feeling of the breeze? What what is it that that you're feeling? Is it a touch? And then I touch your face. I feel my fingertips on my face, touching my beard. And uh, it's a fun game. It's, it takes you very much into the now. It's like a little Zen trick. Yeah, and I'm sure, of course, it's uh, been done before or written about. Chris and I made a little joke, pretending uh, it's been invented and we're going to monetize it. We're going to market this thing. It's a meme that's caught on. But I'm sharing it with you now on the Dixon James podcast. We call it Sense.
And the, the logo for our corporation is make sense. It makes sense. It makes sense? I know I had it a while ago. I'll have to tweak that a little bit. Making sense. Maybe making sense. Making sense of it all. Just making sense. Anyway, uh, that amused me. And I can do it any time. I tried it lying down this morning when I woke up. Thought, I don't want to get up yet. Maybe I'll just lie here and try the sense game. But I couldn't hear anything. I had the windows closed. and I couldn't hear anything. Couldn't smell anything. Couldn't feel anything. So uh, it's much different when you're sitting at water's edge. There's much more to sense. But the game only works if your eyes are closed. Because if your eyes are open, you're just taking in all the visuals. And the visual sense becomes dominant. That's why you got to close your eyes. Okay, I'm closing my eyes now. I'm going to play it right now. Okay, I'm going to play it live. We're going to do a game of sense. I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm just going to close my eyes. I'm going to shut up, and I'm just going to sense. And then maybe I'll share with you what I sensed. Hearing the waves. Hearing the waves lapping. Distant voice. A woman's voice. A dog. Activity. Children. Families. Humans. It's distracting. Because you concentrate and try to understand the words. What are they saying? Speaking English, what are they saying? That sense takes over. And now I'm feeling, I'm feeling... feeling just a gentle, gentle breeze. I feel it on my cheeks. I feel it on my face. I'm feeling the warmth. I'm feeling the warmth. And it's a lovely, lovely warmth. And I'm feeling the breeze. There's a little bit of cool that comes with the breeze. I'm feeling a little bit of cool. I'm feeling warmth and cool at the same time. I'm feeling it's coming through my shirt. I'm wearing my fog lounge baseball tee. And and it's just the right. It's a thin layer, so I can sort of feel through it to my skin. But at the same time, I'm feeling the wind deflecting off the tee, off the shirt. It's not going all the way through. Now I'm hearing the wind. All right, all right. I'm sorry. I'm going to stop there because you don't want me to do too much longer of that. But you want to try this game yourself sometime when you're alone and you've got a spot. You know, it could be anywhere. It could be anywhere. Jason, Tennessee Jake could be doing this in his backyard, sitting on the patio. But no, he'd have his, his shortwave radio go on. Or he'd, 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 he'd have destructions. And the, the dogs would be barking and uh, there'd be noise and there'd be chickens getting loose next door. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, lots going on on the farm. All right. Anyway, I'm feeling very, very happy. Uh, last night, Chris and I each had a, a half a gummy, and that lifted us quite nicely. These things work, I tell you, guaranteed. Then Chris had his pipe out and passed me the pipe several times, even after I said, no, thank you. He just passed it anyway, and it was always a little bit of hash, a little bit of grass, finely ground. So, uh, yeah, we were uh, we were buzzed. Went through a lot of wine, went through a few beer, but just in the... I had just bought wood from home, just enough wood, and one of those starter logs, and so glad. And I just handed it over and said, all right, you boys, I'm doing I'm doing the cooking, the cleaning, I'm looking after things, I'm getting the coffee made, second pot made after breakfast. And, uh, and now we pass the word that uh, Gordon is preparing supper, so he's made something already. I just have to put it in the microwave and uh, serve it up. It's working very, very well. Oh, that, 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 the wind is just... its I, I love... 
I love a gentle breeze. And that sound of the waves just coming up, lapping up as they hit the rocks, as they come onto the shore, and they just make that little sound again and again and again. So, yeah, that was the start. Now I'll tell you, <laughs> there were a lot of other false starts. There was a there was a point when there was a point within this past week. Let's see. Chris arrived Thursday. I picked him up Thursday at the airport, and I unloaded. Bam! Right off the bat, I unloaded. So I had had a pretty rough spell. Everybody in my family did. My son, my wife, and me. We all had a bit of a rough, a rough at least a rough day. And um, I decided podcasting was distracting me from real life the things I should be doing and paying attention to and I'm not going to podcast anymore and then of course I thought haven't I done that before haven't there been times in the history of the Dixon Chains podcast when I said I'm not doing this anymore I'm stopping to join the real world that podcasting is a distraction it's taking me away from the real world I pretend I'm being honest and sharing the truth with you but in fact it's all a lie it's a it's avoidance it's a way of avoiding the real truth and the real world and so I stopped. I didn't record. So there's a few days have gone past. It's only now. It's, what, September the 17th today, uh, Sunday? We're here at uh, Presqu'île Provincial Park. Yeah, it's 2.22 in the afternoon on September 17th. Checking out tomorrow, and uh, I'm probably going to end up in Gananoque. I think uh, Gordon is in charge of a bed and breakfast place. So out of curiosity, I think I might just head that way down the road, down the highway. And... Uh, and then uh, eventually part company with Chris and they leave him with Gordon and I head, uh, I head back to Scarborough. But who knows which route I'll take and it doesn't matter. That's tomorrow. Today is today. Today is now. And uh, God, the number, the, the, the amount of trailer traffic. We've been, I've been watching these people with these huge, gargantuan trailers trying to make these tiny, wide, tight, tur- wide, tight turns. Uh, drawing you with these things that I would not want to be doing that. But uh, I think the guys who are towing these big trailers, I think it's maybe it's a bit of a macho thing in there. They, yeah, I can do this. I can handle the trailer this big. Can you? No, I can't. So I'm pretty happy with the road trek. I'm pretty happy with... Uh, it, and, and it's been fun actually sort of taking over and saying, I'll, I'll look after the kitchen. And I get in there and crank up the music, put on a CD on the uh, surround sound stereo and... Uh, get those eggs done it's been good it's been good and just a lot of teasing with 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 chris and i it's just non-stop joking like playing word games and so on although last night we were pretty wasted and we could not hold the conversation and uh, there'd be an exchange of maybe four sentences back and forth and then by the fifth sentence we didn't know what we were talking what was the topic i don't know i can't remember what we were talking about so, inconsequential stuff, but uh, it's just, you know, buddy time, sharing time, friend time, caring time, good time, laughing time. And probably more of the same tonight when they come back with more wood. Gord, uh, Gord, Gord was supposed to be bringing the wood, but anyway, like I say, I bought just enough from my home to uh, use one of those fire starters that you buy in the, uh, for about four or five bucks a piece, and they do work. And then just pile some wood on top of it. So they, we had a great, really good fire going, but it, it was probably out by uh, by 11 o'clock or so. We got another four hours just looking at the coals. 
but tonight there'll be a blazer. It's another half gummy already cut on the table waiting for me to get back. I'll probably get into that because it's a nice way to get high without, you know, doing the pipe or the smoking or inhaling or anything else. You just sort of quietly lift yourself off your chair. But damn, it's nice sitting on the water's edge. And uh, like I say, the boys have gone out to get the wood, do their chores. They'll have their little time. There, and the dog looks so happy in the back seat. I've got just an absolutely glorious picture of the dog by the water's edge. Sort of a silhouette of a black dog, which, but just the the way the, the sun was shining on the water. You know, how you can just capture uh, still sometimes the water takes on this this pattern, this form, this length, these colors, these tones, these shades. Looked really beautiful. So I'll be posting that. So anyway, yeah, I'm uh, so I'm I'm at Water's Edge. The road trek's locked up, and uh, when I go back there, who knows? I could open a beer, could have a little more cold water. I could lie down for a nap because I, I thought the plan was just lying down and reading a bit while the boys are away doing their thing. It'd be a good idea because once they get back, you know, I want to be up and around and interacting. First time to meet Gordon, Gordon Robertson, Gord Robertson. And he was friends with Gord Phillips, and uh, he argued Gord Robertson is better than Gord Phillips because uh, Roberts is a better, uh, you know, screw than the Phillips. Phillips had screws. Roberts' heads are much better. And I said, well, the whole road track is built on rods. Roberts. There you go. A little aside kind of conversation we had. It's the kind of thing men do with the sharing. He's actually got an interesting job. He, um, if you know Michael Andace, the, uh, the Canadian writer, um, Gord designed the cover of his, uh, of his books, Republished and when uh, when uh, Andace, I believe I'm pronouncing that correct, pronouncing that correctly. When he left Coach House Press, he said, "I'm taking Gord with me to design my next book," which got nice. Gord started just kind of as a journeyman at Coach House Press, Toronto Press, small printing company, and learned the business, the darkroom and layout and binding and the whole business, and ended up uh, doing a little graphic design stuff. It's kind of an interesting way to make a living. So there you go. Again, the rich tapestry of various friends. If you can only hear each other's stories. The trouble is, a lot of the same stories get repeated and repeated and repeated, you know. Like Chris asked just before we left. And he said, Gord, have you heard, do, you know, do you know about The Rock? And I said, Gord, tell him you already know. Tell him you know. And Gord laughed and said, yeah, I know about The Rock. Which, of course, he doesn't. But uh, Chris insisted, well, you'll, you'll, we'll get it out tonight. You'll, you'll, you'll find out. So there'll be a new person being introduced to the uh, the story of the rock. God damn it! What a waste of time telling that story again. But uh, anyway, sometimes it gets little tweaks. Different pieces come out depending on who's telling the story. And of course, I'm I, you know I feel if I'm in, if I'm there because I am the guy who picked the rock out of that magic circle. Like there's no changing that bit of the story. I think I think there there were rumors of some deniers wanting to change that. No. But no, hey, that was my hand. Reached down, picked out that particular rock, and it is now the rock. One time it was just a rock. Anyway, yeah, geez, I almost got sad. I almost got tricked into telling you the story again. Holy shit. How many of you listeners have actually seen the rock, held the rock in your hand, you know? Uh, ask yourself that. You ever seen the rock? Would you want to? Uh, by the way, there's a, there is a new bit of a story with it. There is a new bag that goes with the rock. The rock had the Zoom bag. I think I posted that. Uh, thanks to um, 
our good Canadian friend who worked who uh, moved to uh, Washington State to uh, work for Microsoft, but uh, the Rickster, the Rickster was the one who, uh, when he handed it to me, Rick, Rickster, Mark Blevis had the rock in Ottawa. It had to get back to me in uh, Toronto. So the Rickster came up with the rock and a little bit of hash, I might add, a little bit of hash. And we went to Buffester Park and had a little transfer. But at that time, he said, this is a little like, it's a, they're just like a perfect sleeping bag. It's just the right size for the rock. And he said, that's a Zoom bag. And I said, what's a Zoom bag? And he said, the Zoom, the Microsoft Zoom, the answer to the iPod. Microsoft made a Zoom. Never did catch on, but, uh, of course, Rickster, working for Microsoft, had, had a Zoom bag. And so that's become the rock's traveling bag, the sleeping bag. And it's a perfect thing. It keeps the rock from getting scratched and if you had keys in your pocket or whatever, you know, it's just a nice cozy little thing for the rock to sleep in. Well, when I met Robin in Kingston, go back to the last podcast, the previous one, if you want to know what I'm talking about. When Robin and I were in Kingston, on the way up, she told me the rock has a new bag. And I said, oh, hang on just a minute. Hang on just a minute. It doesn't need a new bag. Well, no, this is a special bag. My friend thought it needed another bag, and she gave it to me. And then, so I had to find out, well, what friend? Well, it's a friend who's, uh, gosh, Robin met in either in Lebanon or Kentucky. I'm not sure. But anyway, she's now living in the, uh, what's that, coast in Australia. Somewhere she's living in Australia. Famous coast. I just can't remember the name. You know, you can shout it out if you like at home. Anyway, um. And no, not the Gold Coast. That was West Africa, wasn't it? Um, the This person made this bag because she thought, and Robin said, well, I feel obliged now that this person has given the, the rock and the Zoom bag another bag to carry it with, a little more protection. I feel obliged to keep using it. And I, I was hesitant, but... Oh gosh, you probably haven't heard this either. You probably don't know this part. We're we're in the we're in. That's today. Today is Sunday, Friday. We were in the uh, in the only, and uh, we had a rock handover. Like I was officially, it was an official rock handover. Bruce in Vancouver had given the rock. There was a rock handover at Vancouver. Bruce officially gave it to Chris. Chris came, got it out in the only cafe, and there were photos taken of an official rock handover, hand-to-hand, in the only cafe of all places, at the front table, that Formica table on the front of the only, the table, our table, the prize table, at that table where we were that night, Friday night, this last Friday night, uh, there was a rock handover, and uh, I now have possession of the rock. But... That was when I also met the bag for the first time. And I, yeah, it doesn't need another bag. I'm not going to use the bag all the time. But when I met the bag and looked at the bag and took a picture of the bag and sent it back to Robin, and I said, you know, I don't like to feel obliged to always have the rock. If I'm just carrying the rock in my pocket, I'm not going to use that bag. I'm going to set it aside somewhere, and I'll just have the rock and the Zoom bag in my pocket, okay? That's allowed. But... When it's passed to the next person, I will make sure when it gets passed on to whoever is the next keeper of the rock. Are you listening at home? Whoever is the next keeper of the rock, they will have to take the new bag with the Zoom bag with the rock. And that's okay because it's a nice bag. It's soft. It's like kind of velvety. I think it's a nice kind of color. It seemed to be. I haven't seen it by daylight, but uh, looked nice when I took the picture. So there you go. Here's a little bit of history, a little bit of rock history and updated, you know the bag.
and uh, me from first first meeting the bank. So there, there's history. Now there were all kinds of other things to talk about. Yeah, like I lost my I lost my wallet. You probably didn't know that either. Oh my God, twenty three minutes. I lost my wallet. Uh, stolen. I'm convinced, absolutely stolen. And, and now Anelko agrees that yeah, because she's heard rumors of other people lost lost their wallet in the supermarket. I paid for the groups. I went to the hospital that day, used my health card. They put on the wristbands, the pink one that says falling, fall risk, and uh, had my conductivity test. I probably didn't tell you about that either. Yeah, I was in the Scarborough General. And I had the conductivity test where they put these little needles into you and give you an electric shock to see uh, how your nerves react to it. And it's not a pleasant little test. It's a bit, ow, ow, you, yeah, I feel that, you know. And meanwhile, it's measuring on the graph, you know, on the screen. Oh. So, uh, but I'm, my condition is not much worse than it was six months ago. So that's the good news. That's the good news. Anyway, that was the uh, that was the Wednesday, Thursday. I picked up uh, the boy Chris at the uh, Pearson Airport, complained all the way, and then um, Friday to the only cafe for the Rock handover uh, with John Meadows, the lovely Lisa, and Brian. And we hadn't seen Brian for so long. Now, anybody out there who knows Brian, Brian Doherty, my my Cuso friend, the buddy from Nigeria, you know, who I met in Toronto before we headed off to Nigeria, the uh, the guy I've drunk with and uh, was a very close friend. And, and in recent months, a couple of years, I guess since he got his new girlfriend, Cecilia, lady from Chile, very nice lady, we, we haven't seen as much. He's got better things to do. He's not going to go out drinking with his old friends. Uh, he's, he's been hanging. He's been going off. They've been traveling the world. They've been doing lots of stuff. They go to theater and shows. Got a wonderful relationship with uh, Cecilia. So we don't see as much. But last night, or sorry, Friday night, was just a perfect reintroduction of Brian coming in. And it just happened to be coincide with the hand over the rock. And with Lisa and John there, I hadn't seen him either. Uh, you know, probably we're talking at least a year, possibly more. Uh, and of course, Brian was, and Brian and Chris, bam, two guys whose two big things in their life are concerts, concerts and travel. Bam, did they go toe to toe? Holy shit! You couldn't get a word in edgewise. And that was fine. It was fun to watch. Sit back and just watch Brian and Chris trade stories. Bam, 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 back and forth. Holy shit! It was quite impressive. It was quite amazing. So it was a wonderful night, and Brian stayed with us right to the end. And uh, then we left. Lisa had to leave a little early, and uh, John left first, of course, as he always does. Bowed out, and then uh, and then uh, Lisa, and then Brian walked us down as far as uh, Square Boy. And Chris said, "I'm a little hungry. What are we doing about supper?" And I said, "Well, there's Square Boy across the street. Went in Square Boy, and of course, that's where you go and you get your quarter chicken with a Greek salad, right? That's what you do. This is this is like you think Seinfeld and the Soup Nancy. That's what Square Boy is like. It's all Greek, and uh, never looks. The people don't look friendly, but they are there. They're there to serve you. And Chris ordered. You know, he was asking me what I wanted. I said, "Oh, I don't need anything." And Chris, I said, "Go for the half, the uh, the half chicken, uh, the quarter chicken, I guess." And the uh, the uh, Greek salad, and he got the last one. And he reminded me five years ago we went to the square, square boy five years ago, and they'd run out of chicken, so we didn't have it. And last night, or Friday night, sorry, he got the last one, just made it. I couldn't get one, even if I wanted one, so I had the banquet burger, which was good. Chris insisted I have something too. And um, so I'm just going to keep going, boys and girls, because, I, I mean, I've had so many false starts with this podcast. I'm on a roll now, 27 minutes. I'm just going to keep going. So 
it's been a good evening, right? We've had a rock handover. We've had Brian. We've learned about the new bag. We've traded stories. We're sitting in the front seat there where we like. Uh, Fabian came in, just gave me a fist bump and then a big hug. Fabian, Fabian was in his cups a little bit, which is good. And uh, seemed to think pretty highly of me and said very nice things to me. And uh, we even gave each other a little hug and a little kiss on the cheek. It, just, it, was, it was nice. It was very, very nice. And I felt very, very honored. Fabian used to be the bartender during the day. Pretty well ran the only cafe. And now doing a lot of stuff. Musician with uh, Johnny Neither, Johnny Nether. And uh, that's where I, I met them last time. Sitting on the beach when I decided I was the king of, king of Danforth. And uh, anyway, sorry, not going to backtrack there. But anyway, it was very, very nice to uh, catch up with him. And he actually went over to the table when I was up paying my bill. He went over to Brian and uh, Chris and said, I want to thank you guys for being the Scarborough dude in here. He's a good guy. Thank you guys. And they said, no, 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 we didn't bring him. He brought us. And I thought that was a nice touch too. So there's just good feelings all around. Pretty high, and of course, when you've when you've had your gummy, you're you're just feeling your 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 game is on. You're you're just you're just doing good, and you're making quips and jokes, and you're laughing even if nobody else is. You're pretty happy with uh, the one-liners you get out, and so on. So, um, coming home, there's only one way to get home. I got to walk from Donlin's, where I normally get on the. Uh, on the uh, subway, but I can't because there's no elevator. So I got to walk all the way back to Pape, retrace my steps, get on the elevators in Pape. Of course, they stink of urine. I had to explain to Chris. Well, it's because the homeless people live in the subways, and uh, for whatever reason, some like to piss in the elevators. And uh, it's pretty foul. It's pretty. It's pretty disgusting. Anyway, got in our train. We got to go to Kennedy because at Kennedy they have elevators, and then we'll catch the uh, 86 or the uh, 116 along the Danforth. And my car is parked at the Go parking lot. Great, no problem. Except the train stops at um, Warden, and everybody gets off the uh, off the subway. And we said, "Well, we can't. Whoa, 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 whoa! You can't. This has got to go through to Kennedy. No, sorry, it's not going through. Everybody off." And I get off, and I see another woman with a walker, just like mine, slightly different model. And she's looking, and we're looking, and we see the escalators, and we can't get down. Warden, there's no elevator. They let us off, and apparently there was a man in a wheelchair who I didn't see, and they let us off the train, made us get off the train. Well, it went to Kennedy on its own, empty. And we're at a, a station where we have no way of getting down from the platform. And Warden is all stairs all the way, stairs and escalators. So we see some guy wearing kind of a part of a TTC uniform. We say, hey, 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 we got a problem here, buddy. We need help. You can't leave us here. We need help. We can't go down the escalator with our walkers. So he says, I'll go get the manager. So next thing you know, we got a guy in a suit, an official look, TTC looking outfit, and three young guys. And they decide there's nothing to do but get us down there. And we figure, well, we can, on our own, we can, with the railings, we can manage the stairs. Okay, so we're going to walk down these stairs. And there, I'm telling you, there's a lot of stairs from the platform all the way down to ground level. It's a lot. And um, if somebody else, these young guys. And so I, I spoke to the manager. I said, you get these guys carrying our, you have that responsibility. TTC has that responsibility to get our walkers down. So they fine. We fold them up, and they just get on the escalator. And then they wave to us. They're looking at us, trying to go down the stairs. They say, no, 
You go down the escalator, and suddenly we realize this lady, and that's this lovely lady who had had a stroke and needed a walker now. I can't remember her name, but she was lovely. We had a nice little exchange because we're buddies now. We're in this together. I'm not going to leave her. We're going we're gonna to get through this together. We'll find a way down. And we realize, as was pointed out to us, now that you don't have your walker, you can use the escalator. And it was a little scary because it was a long, you know, still, okay, I'm still not used to escalators. But uh, we both made it to the bottom. And you get there, and then there's another flight of stairs you got to get up. So I said, well, listen, this gentleman beside me, Chris, he's going to help you. And meanwhile, these two guys working at the D.C. are carrying our walkers ahead of us. You still with me? This is real. Like, this is not supposed to happen. You are not supposed to leave handicapped people at a platform where there's no elevator, where there's no way for them to get down. It has to be done manually. But that's what happened to us. I mean, I could have made a report about this on them, and I still should, but no, I'm going to let it go because it's got a happy ending. It's Dixon Jane's story. It's always a happy ending. So anyway, there we are. They say what you're going to do is we're going to get you onto the shuttle bus like everybody else. And we think, I don't want to get in a shuttle bus. They're always crowded. It's only going to take us to get in. And then we're going to have to get that off that shuttle bus and get on another bus to get us to where we want to go. No fucking way. I don't want to do that. Well, she has no choice. So the lady goes down with hers. But meanwhile, my walker's on the platform of the shuttle bus. I see the guy, the TTZ guy, holding it. And I yell because I've just looked over and I see the the slot for the number nine Bellamy bus. Well, the number nine Bellamy bus is my bus. I can never take it because there's no elevator at Warden. But in this case... There's somebody else who's going to carry my walker for me. So I yell down the platform where the uh, shuttle bus is, and I say, hey, bring that walker back upstairs. I need it. So he carries this thing manually all the way back up to me. I hand it to Chris. Chris takes it down. We go into the number two stall instead where the nine Bellamy bus stops. And I go step by step, very, very slowly, holding on to the railing one step at a time, all the way down. It's a long way down get on the platform and I tell Chris you know this is the best thing could happen because now we don't have to go to Kennedy now we don't have to get off the shuttle bus and get on to the 116 and then get off and then get to the car because this number 9 Bellamy bus and we're going to be front of the line is going to take us exactly to the stop where we park my car so happy ending in the end but uh, there you go now that probably didn't resonate with you at all because you weren't there and I'm telling a story, you know, and just narrating the events. But in real life, this was pretty wild. You're getting off a train and you have no way down. And, and TTC is responsible. And they said, we, we don't have an answer until you just push a little harder. And, well, we'll get people to carry your walkers for you. And the guy, the manager, said somebody did not think this through. Like before stopping at a, strain, at a station with a platform, without checking to see is there anybody who's handicapped who needs an elevator, without checking first and just stopping because some guy decided we're going to take this one out of order for whatever reason. Uh, That was not cool on TTC's part. That was an oversight. But, all's well, I don't know what happened to the woman with the the stroke. Uh, She would have made her way home eventually. They were going to look after her. But uh, we did just fine. All right. I'm going to end there. 35 minutes. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, so that's catching up. That's what's happened this week. It's been a pretty, pretty damn full week, I'll tell you. It's been, like, emotions up and down from one end to the other. I've been all over the map as far as the range of human emotion goes. And a lot of them were bad. A lot of them I was feeling I hit some pretty low points, I'm telling you. Oh, of course, 
story of losing the wallet. Never did tell you that story. <laughs> anyway, I didn't get it back. I had to cancel all my cards. I, when I finally phoned up the first people to say, I think my wallet's been stolen. You know, I was still hoping somebody would find it in the store because I had paid at the hospital and I had paid at the store. And then my wife said, I need to know the health card number. And I said, oh, just let me check my wallet. Oh, hang on. I don't have my wallet. Don't know where it is. Not my car. My wallet's gone. Call up the, uh, you know, Canadian Tire, because I got two Canadian Tire cards. And they said, oh, somebody just tried to transfer $950 cash advance from your uh, card. They said, that wasn't me. That was not me. So they tried it on both cards. So, bam, those cards are shut. And luckily, no money was taken. Then on to the Royal Bank. Then on to the uh, Scotia Bank. Uh, then got to go online to Royal Bank and cancel my debit card and uh, Visa card. And uh, then I got to go to the License Bureau. Holy shit, losing your wallet is not fun when you're stupid enough to carry everything in. It lost about 150 bucks because I had somebody give me a $100 bill and I left it in the wallet. Never normally carry that much money. And uh, so that was gone, the wallet. And that was a beautiful wallet. Anybody who knew my wallet, a lot of people remarked on it. It was from Kentucky, from a Kentucky truck stop. It had a star in it, an emblem, and, you know, a pattern. It was just beautiful leather. Absolutely. Uh, it was a stunning wallet. It wore it wore a hole in every pair of jeans I've got. Like this thing you sat on, this thing, that star rubbed against the jeans, made a hole right through it. But what a, what a wallet. And that, some fucker took that. Now, I'm thinking pickpocket in the store. Like, everybody's flustered. You've got your wallet out. You've got your cards. Do you have a scene card? Yeah, yeah well, let me dig into the wallet. And you're flishing through, and you're, you've got bags of stuff to carry, especially in my case, you know, balancing stuff. And you stick your wallet back in your back pocket. And somebody could have just between that cashier and exiting the store. It's crowded. You're bumping into people. I think somebody just lifted it. And then what I heard when my wife said she's asked somebody else and she's at at least two or three other stores of people losing their wallets, tracking it back to a supermarket uh, in the area, you know, Scarborough, whatever. So somebody's working. It might be, you know, if you're if you're a pickpocket, be a wise, good good area to start fishing. Anyway, that's the end of it. And it was the nicest thing is like the biggest thing. Oh my God, my health card, my you know, all the other cards, your scene card. These are impossible. Avion, Air miles oh, oh these points cards these are hard to go online to get a new one issue because they want you to go online you don't need a plastic card do it online no i can't remember my password when i signed up for this bloody thing five years ago anyway i had to go to service ontario i picked the one kingston road wasn't so busy i got there there's a line 30 people around the block i'm almost finished okay hey hey hang on i, I hope you've taken a pause somewhere in this story because i'm almost finished i, I got about a line of 20, 30 people. It's outside the door. I eventually get my way in. I've got a walker. And a man looks up from his counter. And he sees me and he says, you're next. And I'm thinking, wow. There's a whole line. I'm going to be here for hours in this line. He says, no, you're next. Because I was an old man with a walker. And it was so kind of him. And, you know, it took a while. There was a lady in front of me and she needed two cards herself and so on. But then, and he was so nice and I said I said looked at him I said thank you for your kindness and he smiled no problem and he issued me a temporary license and then he issued me a new health card he said they'll both come in the mail or he issued me a, a paper warranty for the new one was going to come and uh, 
paid, used my wife's debit card, which she wisely gave to me because I had no money, no cards, nothing. And I used my wife's debit card, bam, paid, didn't need a password. Uh, got a new wallet, and I was out there in, you know, 15, 20 minutes. And I looked at him, and I said, thank you so much. You've made what was a bad day that much better. And he looked at me, and he said, thank you. I don't hear things like that often. I'm very happy to hear that. <laughs> Nobody's happy when you're going to service Ontario to get your license plates done or whatever it is, you know. And uh, so a happy ending there, too. You know, I'm, I miss more than anything. I don't care about the cards. I'm getting new ones there in the mail. But that wallet bought in Kentucky when I visited, you know, probably the early the early days of the road trek when I went down to visit uh, uh, Tennessee Jake. That would have been the trip where I bought that wallet at a, at a you know, Flying J or Pilot uh, truck stop. So there you go. Scarborough dude, 40 minutes. <laughs> We're done. Finishing this baby off and uh, back at you. So now you're caught up. Now you're caught up. I've never done this before, gone for 40 minutes straight. of just, here's, here's what I missed of all the times I started and uh, never got anywhere. So uh, shutting down now. Thank you very much for your patience and listening and your kindness. fucking trailer huge sucker to pull my god but he's got his pickup and he's you know these guys who do it I guess they're it's just it's just fun for them no problem at all they just know how to maneuver those beasts but uh, I'm glad mine's only 20 feet long okay this is uh, here's truly the next day it is uh, oh it's Monday September 18th, about 12.30 in the afternoon. I've just done more or less all my duties, cranked in the awning, did all the dishes for the fourth or fifth time for everybody, just three of us, Chris, Gord, myself. I took over. I didn't want anybody messing around in my kitchen, so I took over and prepared the meals. But basically, we had a chili and a curry. (laughs) Those got eaten up a few times, you know, in the microwave. Uh, but I made scrambled eggs to go with them both times. That was fun. And I, I just thoroughly enjoyed it. And the whole time I was there in the kitchen, I uh, put on that Eric Clapton CD that's very special for me. It's called Behind the Sun. And it's a... Um, it, it, it's Originally I heard it on a cassette tape Nelco gave to me when we were first, first, first dating. And um, I just loved it. And then played it all the time when we were apart thinking of her and uh, my goodness it's so tied deeply into love and care and sadness and hope there's so many feelings uh, at the start of you know if and when we were going to get married and how and um so I put it on while I was in the kitchen doing the dishes, and, and it just felt pretty good, you know. It just it touched all those old feelings again, uh, and, and I, I just it was just good. So, um, 
It's been a very pleasant weekend, and it's been absolutely zany, uh, and I mean zany, uh, when you get three adults. I mean, Chris is, uh, what, seven years younger? I think Chris is about 67, maybe? I think so. Gord probably about the same. They are high school buddies at West Van, West Van High. And, um, you know, a lot of these guys, they all kept in touch and so Chris has been visiting various people and then they update each other on who's doing what and so on so there's a lot of personal stories shared and then um, we had we had open stories between three people who had already established a sense of trust Gordon and I are new to each other but we it was very clear through Chris that okay we're all on the same team here and so uh, a number of personal stories shared so stories I hadn't heard and stories about um, I won't go into the details, but anybody who knows Chris knows he was married, and uh, that didn't work out well, as everybody else in the world predicted. Um, but we, we we got some of those stories that... that uh, I'm not talking gossip here. I'm talking about from the heart and things that had been misinterpreted and, and uh, the, the misunderstandings. That when, when people relate a story in somebody's past and history... You're always putting your own perspective, how you saw it. And I realized through uh, listening to Chris, my goodness, I've got to know him better as a person who he is. He's a man who was able to stand up to his father, which uh, I couldn't. There was never a a showdown. But uh, Chris was strong. He's he's iron-willed, and it's something I see in him and I have respect for. I just uh, didn't know. So it's funny that, um, you know, I saw him five years ago. I've known him going back 30, 40 years. But um, to spend more time with a person and know them better, you know, ditto with Robin, ditto for our Kingston gathering. It's just, it's, it's, it's <laughs> I don't know. It's just good to share. It's good to care. It's good to have friends who you can be open with. Uh, I, I was very much very open with Chris in the talk. So anyway, 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 that doesn't, sorry, I mean, that, it's a hard thing to share on a podcast. Like, you know, dude, what are you saying? Uh, I'm saying we had a great weekend. Now, you you all know about The Rock. That, that is with us now. You know, it's with us. It's traveling with us. We had The Rock out last night. Chris um, went off with Gord. My job, I sat by here and I talked to you for 40 minutes straight. My apologies. And uh, Chris and Gord went off to uh, get firewood. Three bags done that they was gone in no time. The evening ended with Gord going into the woods and hauling back bits of dead trees, making a very loud noise. Uh, you know, 1 a.m., somebody chomping, 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 chomping through the woods. Um, he was sure, but a lot of people had already left on the Sunday so there wasn't the Chris kept saying there's nobody around us doesn't matter uh, but uh, anyway we had a, another the first fire died first night we didn't have enough wood second fire died the second night we just blazed through the wood too, uh, too soon Gordon might have put a bit too much on it once but it was lousy wood and it burned down to nothing and uh, we were kind of disappointed and uh, then Gord set off on his own into the woods and uh Gave us another roaring fire. So, that was good. But, meanwhile, when those fellows went off, they were going in search of the uh, the lighthouse, which I recommended. 
Um, Chris told Gord about something called George and the Joe. Now, I've probably at some point mentioned, oh dear, that was a raindrop. I've probably at some point mentioned George and the Joe throughout the history of this podcast. I, I had to have. It was a, a, a play. It was a play that we wrote, we composed. And uh, it's a very short play. And there was only, well, there were two lines of dialogue, one between George Harrison and uh, uh, Nicky Lauda. And uh, the Joe was Chris. Now, some of you may, this may be, you know, triggering a memory, and some of you say, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. So Chris told Gord, while they were out, the story of George and the Joe, the play, and uh, it, it became quite well known at a Mother's Day camping weekend when we had a big crowd, including children. You know, by that point we had real mothers attending the Mother's Day camping weekend, and uh, children. And we were in a park that had a stage, and so when we saw the stage, we said, "Why, well, God, we could put on a performance of uh, George and the Joe for the, the, the mothers, the kids, and um, perform it. So all weekend, there was a lot of hype about there was going to be a performance of George and the Joe. It's, it's, it, hasn't, it hadn't been played in public, not to a, a that large public before. I think, it, in fact, I think it happened only once uh, when Nauka and I came to uh, Canada from our round-the-world tour, ended up in Vancouver, um, Chris was the Joe. Chris, it, it happened. I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of the the backdrop. Chris worked on, um, gosh, what's the name of that? The name of the island off Australia, Hamilton Island, I believe, Hamilton Island, uh, that private island, and uh, so rich people would go there, and it just happened. Uh, Chris had a job as a cleaner, and there's a large dining hall, and Chris's job is to vacuum that day. It's starting to rain, so I'm going to move. Well, no, no, I'm going to stay right here. Um. Chris job is to vacuum, and he looks in the room, and he sees these two people at a table, and he knows right away it's George Harrison and Nicky Lauda. No, no, the rain is starting now. i got to get back. All right. So I'm going to pause here. We left it at George and Nicky Lauda. Thank you. Um, I'll have to come back to this story. There's uh, there's no time. We have to leave camp. Um, we'll get back to. We left it off. You've you've met the main characters. I'll pick up from there. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, hang on. Just a sec. Oh. 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 Sorry. There's, uh, there's stuff underneath it keys and everything else. Got no ding left. I'm sitting in the road track in a laneway in Gananoque, Gananoque, Ontario. I don't know, what is it called? Home to a thousand islands or something, or gateway gateway to a thousand islands, I believe. Um, Outside a building that was built, it's called Beaver Hall, uh, an old brick building built in 1832. So for Canada, that's old, 1832 long before Confederation. And uh, it is owned by, um, I guess, a a woman I haven't met yet, the daughter of the friend who's been camping with us. So if we do a little backtracking here. We've just driven from Presqu'Isle Provincial Park. We had two nights there. Very, very, very good time around the campfire. 
uh, with various ingredients being shared. And um, now here we are, where Chris, who used to be known as The Boy, Melbourne Chris, is staying, and will stay for the next few nights, and I will head back to Toronto tomorrow. But I thought I'd finish this off. Now, I know when I last talked, I was in the middle of explaining the uh, George and the Joe background and so on, but I'm going to hold off that for a minute. I just want to... uh, Get settled here. I've taken the beer out of the fridge that belonged to Chris and to uh, Gordon. And uh, when Chris comes, he can bring that back in and we can sit comfortably in a chair in this very old building, which is a bed and breakfast place now. That's that's its purpose now. Uh, Gordon's a handyman and can actually put up walls and take down walls and build things and uh, do things involving skill and saws and levels and... Uh, just amazing what this man is capable of doing. And this is a person who was also, I think I mentioned, a, uh, a designer originally with Coach House Press and then moving on. So um, you meet f- interesting friends of friends, right? This this man I never would have known except that he was uh, Chris's classmate back in uh, when they hung out together in uh, West Vancouver. And I've been hearing many stories about the good old days and uh, I'm quite fascinated by it. It's been been entertaining um, now, do I need to say much more about George and the Joe? I think I've given the background. It's uh, uh, the summary. Chris vacuuming the floor. He sees two people, but he's been told, it's been very clear, uh, you are not to talk to any of the guests or approach any of the guests. And if you do, it, you're immediately fired. And Chris didn't want to lose that job. So even though he could see George... Uh, and Nikki, quite clearly, he knew not to get near them, just carry on with his business of vacuuming. And uh, the problem was he noticed there was a crumb on George's shoe. This is in real life, right? This is not just the plate. This is real life. He sees this crumb, and he has to ask himself, do I vacuum it off? And we're talking about a suction vacuum, right? Not a great big... I I, I got it all wrong. I was picturing it a great big floor vacuum And of course he's not going to go. But if he's just hovering with a little suction thing, like that kind of thing, he could easily get rid of that crumb without bothering George too much. But anyway, for him, it's it's a huge question. What do I do? What's the right thing to do? Would it be considered bothering my guests if I tried to take the crumb from uh, George's shoe? So there, there's the the crux to the whole thing. We've got to we've got to write a play around there, and and the play has been written. Now. Forget about the premiere performance. That was with my wife yelling action. I think what Chris was talking about, what was quite dramatic, was the next day he saw George. He saw George the next day. And there was an exchange of looks, kind of a gaze. It was sort of in the distance, but it was a look. He looked into George's eye. George looked into his eyes. So... The fact that that was the next day and not when he was vacuuming, you know, we took uh, just, you know, ways that artists do to to change the play, to have it the look that was, you know, sort of central to the whole thing. George is looking, is this some kind of weirdo or what? And, you know, Chris is thinking, oh, my God, that's George Harrison. I'd love to talk to him. Um, We took that second day 
we call it the glare, that part of the story. And we incorporated that into the play as if when Chris was vacuuming and wanting to vacuum the crumb off, that's when the stare took place. So are you with me? It didn't actually happen then, but we took creative liberties to build that into the play. So basically the play is, um, we, we got three characters, enter, and we did this last night, okay? We did have a live presentation last night, and the roles got changed. Normally, Chris, of course, is the Joe, because he was the Joe in real life, and I play the part of George, and uh, somebody else plays Nicky Lada with the more speaking lines. Last night, we turned it all on its head, and Gord, who had never heard about this until that day, you know, and, and we're explaining to him, um, got the part of Joe. Um, now you can tell I'm I'm trying to share with you the same degree of seriousness we took this on last night. The conversation before we even performed the play, I would say went on for at least two hours on the various considerations we had to factor in and the history and so on. Um, there was a performance for children at a campsite in British Columbia, and because there were children there, we 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 felt they needed more. They didn't want to just see. I guess I haven't described it yet, really, what happens. Okay, George sees that, goes towards him. So the action, if you're watching the play, our version, you would just see a man pretending to be holding a vacuum cleaner walking up towards George Harrison. And then the play changes. It's it's almost like a second act, but it's the same scene. There's only one act. Um, George looks at Nicky. Right, forget about the the guy. Forget about the Joe with the vacuum right now. He's still approaching. But George looks at Nikki and says, "Can you pass me the salt, Nikki?" And Nikki, in return, replies to George, "I can't hear you. You'll have to speak a little louder." And that's basically the end of the play. That's the punchline. I can't hear you. You'll have to speak a little louder. And uh, we knew if it ended there, the children watching the play, the mothers and the children when we were off camping at Mother's Day weekend, they're not going to be, they're going to say, what? You know, like, what? Is that it? So what we did, we added a scene at the end where there's a glass of water and somebody, I think we got other people to come up on stage. I'm not sure how it worked, who got what part, but somebody was supposed to throw the glass of water and the person who was going to be the receiver would duck and it would go over his head. Now, there was probably, I'm guessing, a lot of debate, argument back and forth on whether we should have this... Some of us consider that's just gratuitous violence. That's like an American cop film, you know, with a car chase. Like, hey, you don't need action. You don't need throwing something in the play. And and there's a lot of people who took it very... We were frowned on the idea that we would do this thing, but we felt if if we're going to present this to the children, they needed some action. They needed to see something else. And we thought some of the children might like to see somebody throwing a glass of water at somebody, you know? So that was gratuitous. But some, the problem is there are people who think that is part of the original play, and it's not. That was a scene that was tacked on to satisfy members of the audience. That That's nothing to do with the, the, the basic story of George and the Joe. 
So when we rehearsed last night, there's no glass of water. We're not doing any of that. It's just basically just those lines. Now, the problem was Chris was going to do the part of uh, Nicky Lauda, and he could not get his lines. He could not remember the lines. When he delivered them, they were all wrong. We had a dozen rehearsals. And he could not get the line right. And so at the last minute, we had to change. I had to become Nikki and say the line, which I just said to you a little early. I can't hear you. You'll have to speak a little louder. So I did that part at the end. And apparently I did it well enough. Chris uh, Chris was, you know, in hysterics. Thought it was very, very funny the way I delivered it. I felt I didn't do a very good job. And I would rather be George next time with a very simple line. Could you pass the salt, please? Um, I think that's where I get to. But anyway, you can see, I, I hope you have some sense of an idea of how seriously we take this play to, to the point where, again, I'm thinking National Film Board, CBC, who's who's going to want in on this, you know, uh, to, to see? And we, we know it has to be filmed eventually uh, because not enough people have seen the play. I think it's only, I think last night might have been only the third time it's ever been performed. Uh, we were we we used the term a lot last night, and we spent a lot of time what we call workshopping, workshopping the performance, deciding who's going to get what role. Should we change the lines? How should be delivered? What kind of vacuum? We had we had to, and of course, uh, Gordwood's going to step up and take Chris's role of, of uh, Joe. We had to rehearse him first uh, to make sure he could make appropriate vacuum sounds, and he was very very good at it. So that wasn't a problem. He nailed it. Like we knew right away. Okay, you got the job. You've got you've got the part. So um, I would say a lot of time, a, a great deal of our time spent around the fire was spent deconstructing and reconstructing and analyzing and workshopping the play George and the Joe. So I'm going to leave it there. Uh, some of you will understand. Some of you may be still a little confused at this point, and that's okay. Uh, but I think I need a drink now. So I'm going to get out of the car. Chris is supposed to come, but I don't see any sign of him. And um, head back into this wonderful house that's 190 years old. Of course, some of it's been changed over the years. And, um, yeah, and that'll be the end of uh, this podcast. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure, pretty close to it. I can't sleep in it tonight. I was going to sleep, but the bed is covered in the camping gear because it started to rain so everything got wet so there is no spare room at all but uh, I've been assured no 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 we have lots of rooms in this bed and breakfast you're staying here tonight so there we are so it's been an it's been an incredibly good time connecting with a very dear friend and a very good friend who I don't see very often having him being living in Australia um but getting closer than ever through just open conversations and, and talking about uh, parenthood, marriage, uh, you know, serious talks, and then talk spent on George and the Joe. I think I might even call the episode George and the Joe. I think it's earned that title. So this is your your, your host, the Scarborough Dude, signing out from Gananoque. That is Gananoque, G-A-N-A-O-N-N-Q-U-E. Gananoque, fresh in from Presquil, Presquil, Provincial Park. Signing off. Let me just see if I can fix this. Hang on. <laughs>